0: So we're looking at Genesis chapter 50 and from verse 12. So Jacob's sons did as he had commanded them. They carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre, which Abraham had bought along with the field as a burial place from Ephron the Hittite. After burying his father, Joseph returned to Egypt, together with his brothers and all the others who had gone with him to bury his father. When Joseph's brothers saw that his father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph." I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph stayed in Egypt along with all his father's family. He lived 110 years and saw the third generation of Ephraim's children. Also the children of Machia, son of Manasseh, were placed at birth on Joseph's knees. Then Joseph said to his brother Israelites, I am about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land, to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up from this place. So Joseph died at the age of 110, and after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt.
1: Well, a bit more of Joseph, but uh, firstly, we're in Advent, aren't we? Uh, And we're beginning to get excited about Christmas. I sang my first Christmas carol yesterday. We lit the Christmas tree lights in uh, Dickens Heath on the village green and Martin came and spoke there and uh, we had a a good do and you begin to get excited. And there's been a sense of that excitement this morning, hasn't there? We've been singing Christmas things and uh, thinking about nice food and all the rest of it. Uh, So... We're waiting, we're preparing, we're building ourselves up. Uh, I hope we're not thinking, oh gosh, it's Christmas again, but that we're actually feeling, no, it's Christmas, it's time to celebrate the fact that God is amongst us. Uh, It's a time when very often we turn to the words of the Old Testament prophets uh, and we read their words of the coming Messiah, the coming Christ, the coming kingdom, the coming fulfilment of what God is about in his creation, his coming, his presence. And so our theme this morning about recognising the goodness of God seems very pertinent. Advent is also... About the second coming of Christ. And we might ask the question how will we know when Christ comes? Will we recognize him? How will he come? So, very pertinent theme this morning how to recognize the goodness of the one who is all goodness. And if we do turn to the Old Testament prophets, we read about uh, a kingdom of justice, of righteousness, of peace. We read about a new heaven and a new earth that will be created. But there are also words of judgment and even a destructive end for some. So all this is part of our awaiting, our looking forward. But the question remains, how will we recognise the goodness of God? So I think we really need to unpack this business of recognition. Not the goodness of God, I think that goes as said. But it's our recognition that we need to explore a little further. James, the brother of Jesus, in uh, the writing we have later on in the New Testament from him, said, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. James was writing very much about everyday wisdom and everyday life. But there is a key thing. Every good gift comes from God. Everything of God is good. It's the essence of his nature. But our recognition of God at work uh, is Not always quite so certain, I think. We often have our own questions or are faced with the questions of others about uh, things like suffering and hardship and pain and death. You you speak of a God who's good, what about all this that's going on? And we get it every day on our screens, do we not? Not. We have doubts and questions about the goodness of God. We all have a tendency, I think, to be distracted by things that we perceive as being good. Uh, because they're fun or they're pleasurable, they're exciting or they're energising. Uh, when many of them we know deep down are far from being good for us. And these things too highlight our struggles with recognising the goodness that comes from God. The ultimate question, in some ways it's already been mentioned this morning, is chocolate good for you? Simple question, but where do we recognise goodness? We have over quite a number of weeks explored the life and the story of Joseph, and so much there that speaks of the goodness of God in the experience and the life of that man and his family Um, It all began with the blessing of his family, his father, and he had a coat of many colours, the one thing that we all remember. It was exciting, it was hopeful, it was joyful. But then he was sold into slavery by his brothers, uh, and life took a very different turn. But he found himself in Egypt in a position of great influence uh, and power, uh, the ability to do good, to make changes and all that sort of thing. But then because he uh, found himself in the midst of the wilds of Pharaoh's wife, uh, he was imprisoned wrongly. Um, But even there, he was able to demonstrate the gifts that God had given him, the gifts of interpretation of dreams, and things that shaped the history of Egypt and even further beyond. And beyond that, and be, perhaps because of that, he found himself again in a position of great uh, influence and authority Able to uh, change the, the lives of many, many people. He demonstrated his wisdom, his generosity towards the people of Egypt and his care for them as he planned to overcome the bad effects of the famine and enable all to have enough to eat. So much there in Joseph's life where he was able to demonstrate the goodness of God and we see it in the story. Um, But it includes these periods when he was chucked down a well and sold into slavery, when he was wrongly imprisoned. That doesn't immediately speak of the goodness of God. Why did that have to happen? And so, like most of us, Joseph has a retrospective view on his life. And in our reading this morning, he's able to reassure his brothers, who are rather nervous that uh, he's not going to think very well of them uh, for having uh, sold him into slavery. But he's able to reassure his brothers No matter what has happened, the well, the slavery, the imprisonment, the being away from his family and his father, uh, and so on, throughout it all, God's good hand has been at work. I imagine that we too, our best at that retrospective view. Now, the immediate may seem a bit rough and hard going, but we look at what has happened in the past, and perhaps we can see how God's hand has been there throughout our lives in all sorts of different ways. Like Joseph, I imagine, we too learn about goodness very early on in our lives. Uh, I recently completed a a painting which began really, in my mind, with the question, where does love begin? That good gift of God, where does love begin? The painting is of a nursing mother and a very proud dad looking on. Uh, And you actually think, well, yes, it is as our needs are met, when we're not able to meet them ourselves, when we're an infant, that we learn about the goodness of God from our parents. It begins there, perhaps even before We're very used also, are we not, to uh, labels. Labels that tell us what is good and what is not. Um, Unfortunately, most of it's in very tiny print on the back of packets uh, and very lengthy and usually has lots of long words that we haven't a clue what they mean. Um, But they're there, labels, to say, this is good or this is not good, they're usually a bit bolder with sort of crosses, red crosses and things to say this is not good. But we have labels, and that's our sort of shorthand, isn't it? Uh, This is good, that's not. Unfortunately, we might in our shorthand also use the label Christian but that is not always good, as you and I all know, uh, because Christians are human and we fail. Um, but it's a shorthand we use and a label that is not necessarily accurate. accurate. So we learn through labels as to whether they're correct or not. And there are other things we do, are there not, where we recognise goodness. We give thanks at meals. We go for country walks and we wonder at what we see. Sunset, sunrise, wildlife and the rest. And there are those amazing gifts, such as births. Things we really do recognise as good. But it does depend on our perspective, doesn't it? Now, if we happen to be living in poverty, then our understanding of what is good is perhaps very different from somebody who is wealthy. There are many Christians who follow what we call the prosperity gospel God is good, He's made me rich. But that's not the case, is it? Our perspective depends on place, on political situation. The sort of world we're living in and how our lives are shaped and directed. Our health. And goodness in one setting can perhaps seem negative in another. There are many times when perhaps we feel we cannot see the goodness of God in one situation or another. And then we might make assumptions because we think we know what is good. We think we know how God works, how he brings his goodness into our world. We find ourselves in dangerous waters when we do that, because we may just assume that God is good when things are going well. But do we see that God is good in those other parts of life, which are less positive to us when we struggle to see God at work. We have two examples, I think, very clearly, of what to do in that situation. The first is Joseph. Uh, we hear nothing in the story we read of in Genesis about how he actually reacted to being chucked down a well and sold into slavery. There's silence. We don't hear him shouting and complaining when he's imprisoned wrongly. Silence. Allow God to be God. Don't tell him who he is and how he is to be good or not. God is good, but not always in the way we understand. The second example, of course, is Jesus. On trial, does he shout and scream and... Claim that he is right and everybody else is wrong? Silence. Allow God to be God. If a bad experience for us, uh, if we are in a bad experience for us, and we are asking how God may indeed be good, perhaps we need to hear those words of St Paul that Becky read to us earlier. I remind you, we know that in all things, God works for good for those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. And I think those words of Paul thrust us into what is quite key for us in recognising the goodness of God. And that is simply faith and trust. If we are called according to his purpose, we have faith, we trust him, It depends on our personal relationship with God. You know, the people we recognise the easiest are the people we've met, the people we know, the people we're closest to. We need to meet with God in Jesus Christ. We need to stay close to him. Read our Bibles, pray our prayers... Talk to him. Know our dependency on him. If we read the Bible, we get that 360-degree sort of perspective, don't we? We have the the looking back as to how God has acted in his world and in human life, in creation. We have the perspective of looking forward forward. And that's where we are in this season of Advent, uh, where the God who is good is leading. It's the Holy Spirit, the personal Spirit of God who dwells within us by faith, who enables us to share in the goodness of God. The goodness we find, we see, we know in Jesus Christ. Jesus, God, goodness, incarnate, who can be met. And so we're back to our focus on Advent and looking forward and being expectant. And we look for that kingdom of justice, in our world we look for righteousness in our world we look for peace in our world all those things and more of which the prophets spoke and we see it all in the life and the ministry of Jesus his preaching his teaching his healing and restoration of life. So many examples in the Gospel of those who encountered Jesus, perhaps were healed or were touched by his teaching and knew him and recognised him as the Messiah, the Son of God, the God who is always good. But that whole story leads us, does it not, to a very dark place in Gethsemane and on Golgotha, the place of the cross. And it's a centurion, not a man who stood out as a man of faith, but he certainly was, for he recognised the goodness of God in Jesus hung on a cross. Surely this man was the Son of God. Recognition that at the heart of this terrible deed, God was present and active and good. And indeed Jesus himself, in seeking to explain to his disciples afterwards why he was going to go away and leave them, It is for your good that I am going away. All is God's goodness. In the act of a life taken, we witness God's greatest act of good, life given. So, as I come to an end. I turn to words of Job, synonymous with suffering, very good at complaining against God and wondering where God was in his life. But he gets to that point which is immortalized by the music of Handel in the Messiah. I know that my Redeemer lives. And that in the end, he will stand on the earth, and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I will recognise him. I will recognise his goodness. So, for us, we rely greatly on what and who we know and experience as we learn about goodness. But as we go through this Advent and we begin to get excited give God his space to be his goodness in our lives. Be reassured by the words of the prophets and the life and the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ and allow the Spirit of God to illumine for you His very goodness, Amen.